Ladies and gentlemen, Gene Therapy. I am Coach Gene Clemens. Thank you again for coming back for episode number two. I hope you enjoyed episode number one with Chris James and Malik um, from Blitz Magazine. I am joined today by a, a really good friend, a mentor, a colleague. Um, we always bounce ideas off of each other. That is Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, the Mr. Mr. Day 3 of the NFL Draft, um, Emory Hunt of Football Game Plan. Emory, thank you for joining me. Always a pleasure, man. Looking forward to our conversation. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, one that no one has thought of or talked about. So definitely a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And, and you know, not even because I know we want to make sure we maximize all this time that we have um, to, to spit this game, but... My article this week had to deal with the idea that it's probably time for the SWAC and the, the, the current FCS HBCUs to think about making a move into the FBS with all of the change and all of the turnover going on with the way in which college football is going to be regulated. Now is the time or, or in these recent times is the time to be able to get in and kind of put a foothold in. And, and what really got me thinking about it, Emory, was looking at the attendance numbers. See, the idea or, the, or, or what people would lead you to believe is that no one's interested in the HBCU. Yet, when we look at the attendance numbers from the HBCU teams at the FCS level, they're among the best in, in the country, and, and that can't be ignored. Absolutely. And the, the thing is when – and people will try to pinpoint uh, the attendance to, oh, this is because of classics. Well, yeah, when two good teams with story traditions play each other, crowds will come out. It just so happens that a lot of these programs have deep history and tradition playing against one another. So, yes, the crowds will come out. And, and so you think about – a Jackson state having 50 plus thousand people at the swag title game, or even when they played all corn in the soul bowl, you look at what the Bayou classic will, will have, um, which was played on Thanksgiving weekend, which has always been played on Thanksgiving weekend. When those two teams play each other or when Florida and and Southern play, and they used to play a lot in the Atlanta classic that draws a crowd. So when you have good rivalries and good matchups and good teams, you're going to draw higher crowds. And it shows you, uh, as much as people want to ignore the impact of the black dollar at the FCS level, it's significant and it shows itself in how you look at these top 10, top 15 attendance numbers and even consistent over time. This is not a one-off because Coach Prime was at Jackson State uh, or the the renaissance of the importance of HBCUs. This has always been the case and it shows you time and time again that if the proper funding and also the proper exposure is given to those HBCU programs, they can consistently churn out this. So if you're looking at it from a marketing standpoint or a business standpoint, HBCU is good money if you want to bet on it. Absolutely. And, and the one thing that I think about when I, when I look at it and, and when people talk about classics, well, the HBCUs, they just named their, their their the rivalry games um instead of playing for some random trophy that is is only significant to the two teams they've given it a name they've given the 
they, they've made it into an event. There's no difference between the Florida Classic and Florida versus Florida State. The only right. difference is, is that they've given it, Bethune-Cookman and Florida A&M have given it a name, but the dollars that come out of the Florida Classic rival those that come out of that Florida, Florida State game every single year. One thing I think was really interesting is I'm from Tampa and the Florida Classic used to be in Tampa. And there were some issues that happened at the mall that is right near where the stadium is. And it turned off people who were in charge of the Classic. And the Classic got moved from Tampa to Orlando. And at first blush, people were like, oh, well, who cares? What does that matter? And they didn't realize the influx of black dollars that came from the classic every single year into Tampa Bay. That mall shut down. Tampa Bay Mall is no longer in existence because of the impact that it took from losing the, the classic. The stadium, which, which it brought in a lot of revenue uh, within there, lost so much money through 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 sports authority that it paved the way for another for another entity to come in and take over the naming rights of the stadium. It was that significant. And so when we look at and then we can just see what it's done for the economy of Orlando as Orlando just continues to be, you know, come one, come all, come anytime you want to. I, I, I think it's interesting because no one should care how the butts get in the seats. They should only care that butts are in the seats. Like at the end of the day, that's what that's what we're here for. Are there going to be butts in the seats? Yes, there are. Okay, cool. Well, we're coming. Um, are like 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 you remember when, how it was when you were growing up? Are there going to be girls there? That's all that mattered, right? Like it didn't matter to us exactly what the event was, what was going on, what kind of music was going to be played. Were there girls going to be there? If there are girls going to be there, then I'll be there. That's how it worked. And that's how it works in this case. I don't care if they're coming or if they've been coming for the band. The fact that they're there is what matters. And then when you couple a great band with a great product on the field, now you've got a winning, now you've got a winning recipe that, that goes anywhere. Ohio State's band is one of the most one of the most famous bands in the world. You don't think people come just to watch the band do their thing at Ohio State? You're crazy. They just happen to really like the product on the field as well. And so looking at these HBCUs and what they bring to the table, there are a lot of these programs who have the infrastructure, um, and, and that's really what matters, the infrastructure by stadium size, to be, or they have the ability to get to that stadium size that make them perfect, um, perfect, perfect components to go to the FBS. But why be, why be just that program in a random conference when you can just elevate the entire conference? And so that's that's really where the premise from for the article came from. Is like how do we go about you know making sure that our representation is what it's what it should be at all at, at the at the FBS level, but also still preserving that reputation that we've seen at the FCS level. 
it's it's rather easy if you ask me is getting everybody on the same page to see the, the the big picture and the goal and the mission you know anytime you bring up an idea everyone would quickly try to shoot it down or poke holes in it to, to tell you why it won't work without seeing the big picture think about the economic impact you just talked about from the florida classic now expand that over everyone you know when you think about hampton versus uh howard in the battle of the real hu central versus a and t we talked about grambling southern texas southern prairie view you think about all these different events and potential uh tennessee state versus anybody everybody wants to play tennessee state because of the history they have with tennessee state so you put everyone under the same umbrella the the amount of interest and excitement is going to grow the reason why hbcus are so unique is that one it taps into the the power of the black dollar we talked about that a little bit uh and and the purchasing power that's number one number two who else has something else that they can offer in, in terms of entertainment no one people will go and watch iowa versus minnesota because they care about the football you know and that's that's the only thing they could sell but if you're gonna put morgan state versus you know winston-salem state folks are gonna go for the football but you also gonna go for for the band so each one of these hbcus have have that uh, especially even the ones that don't have um, football teams that may even be considering starting football like talladega um that or tougaloo you know down in mississippi but talladega was one in alabama i believe uh their band played in the inauguration when president trump got inaugurated their band was was playing so people will still seek out an hbcu band um for its services so imagine you have the football and the band and the history and prestige the intrigue it, it just makes sense to put everybody under that one umbrella and get everyone on the same page and say hey if we all make this move together not only would it help us as a brand, because Dion brought this up when he talked to Coach Prime, brought this up. Uh, why should one team only get to do a postseason? You know, essentially, you got the Celebration Bowl, and just by happenstance this year, FAMU was good enough to get into the FCS playoffs. Now, imagine a situation where you still have the Celebration Bowl, and you have FAMU going to a bowl game. You also have uh, Alabama AM going to a bowl game. You have Prairie View who lost the Celebration Bowl, still probably able to go to a bowl game. All corn can go to a bowl game. Now you bring that black dollar to a a bowl game. You also bring that HBCU band to a bowl game. It just, it makes so much sense if they just, you know, get together and move up as as an FBS conference. And to to the second point we're going to talk about where now as an FBS, you're getting money from the bowl games, from the conference, from the all revenue that you're generating, and now you're able to schedule these FCS games and you can pay those. Those are the money games now. So you still technically can have your FCS money games, but now your money games will be against other HBCUs, which you're helping fund some other HBCUs or get those guys up to speed to perhaps eventually move up into that conference. Well, yeah. And and you also, you also have to remember that, College football isn't just about the game. It's about the pageantry. That's what they that's what they sell all the time. The, the history, the pageantry that comes along with college football. 
this is why we care more about the, t- the name on the front than we than we do on the name on the back, because it doesn't matter who comes in and who leaves. That name on the front is still there. Well, you have a bunch of schools that are as old as Ivy League schools out here. You know, you have a bunch of schools that have a history just as, as rich in tradition as as any good PWI FBS program out there. And so when you when you when you all of a sudden elevate these teams to an FBS level, they bring all that pageantry, they bring all that prestige with them, but then they also they also bring with them now we're on a level playing field. See, I think one of the biggest things that we deal with is well, yeah, it's an HBCU school, but it's an FCS school. So it gets our, our our young men and women that are looking for opportunities at the next level, they almost look at it as if it's not the same, as if it's not worth, well, man, I'm better than the FCS. Well, now if you if you eliminate, if you eliminate that that hurdle, and now you have Florida State in the ACC and Florida AM in the SWAC at an FBS level sitting right across the street. Now Florida State doesn't look more appealing anymore because it's a, a quote-unquote FBS program. Now Florida A&M walks into the same homes that Florida State walks into and says, hey, you want to play big-time college football and then you want to be around all the stuff that you've been around your entire life just at an educated level. You want to be around the, the pageantry. You want your name to ring out, or you just want to be another team, you know, in, in the ACC. You or you want to be, you want to have a chance to have a fanfare in the in in, in, in in the pageantry that comes with college football that you can get nowhere else except for at an HBCU. We all know it. Everybody that's gone to and 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 you went to a PWI, I went to a PWI. We all know what we missed not going to an HBCU. We understood there's a difference. When you go visit your friends over at over at an HBCU, you're just like, man, it's different over here. It's a different, it's a different field, it's a different level. We went to where we went to because the opportunities were there for us. May not have been the opportunities the same at those schools, but we know what we missed. And so now when you give the best of the best the opportunity to play on the same level playing field, because there's no reason for Florida State to not schedule Florida AM now. Now they don't have to schedule an FCS that might hurt their their chances at the at the at the college football playoff because the strength schedule isn't what that people would expect it to be. Now you're playing another FBS opponent. And so now that makes these HBCUs more valuable to be played against these top power five conferences because now you don't get the, oh, well, you played an FCS school. You get, okay, you played a SWAC school and the SWAC is a FBS program. So I think you get that. You get that part. But the real intriguing thing for me the thing that I think makes it really interesting is what you what you alluded to, and that is the ability to reach back and pull up now. Because if we're if we're gonna essentially take the 
the SWAC and turn it into a super conference. And we'll take some more of these MEAC teams and bring them over to the SWAC. But we still we still like the name and the and the pageantry that comes with the MEAC. But we have to replenish the MEAC. And that's when we reach out to the SI to the SIAC and to the CIAA. And we bring those division two programs that have been killing it at that at that level. The Bowie States, you know, um, Savannah State's having a real um a, 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 a reemergence. Um, Fort Valley, um, you know, those teams. You 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 getting out all of the teams in Atlanta, in, in the Atlanta area, the the Tuskegees. You get a chance to bring those teams up to a Division One level now, and now they create a new MEAC, a new MEAC Super Conference, where they get essentially to do the same thing as the SWAC's doing. They're just doing it at the FCS level. So now we've pulled up those programs from Division Two to FCS. We know that they can draw like FCS programs already. They're doing that at a Division II level. Yep. So we know they can draw like most FCS programs can draw. And now when you bring them up to the FCS level, now there's going to be more interest and more appeal because now you're, now you're a Division I program. And then you help each other because those FBS programs getting the – that new influx of dollars that you get from TV deals, et cetera, et cetera, they now can schedule that 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 swack MEAC crossover game where that becomes a money game for each one of those MEAC teams that take on one of those SWAC teams. And now they get an influx of a 500,000, 700,000, whatever it might be, into their program. And, and now we've elevated the level of all of these programs so now you can't give you can't you can't give the excuse of oh well they don't have this and the facilities are not and the you know all of the stuff that they use to recruit against these f I mean to the to recruit against these HBCUs those would get eliminated because they would be able to say listen we're playing on the same level playing field as the as the as the North Dakota states and as the Montanas and and, and the incarnate words we're playing on the same level as they are, and those in the, in the SWAT would be able to say we're playing on the same level as the as the as the um, Sun Belt Conference and as the and, and and as Conference USA and the AAC. We're we're right there with them, and, and I think that changes everything. That opens up so many possibilities about what can be done as as a as a program. And, and, and what can be done is, as far as changing the narrative behind what it means to play and be at an HBCU. Right, because people will then, because right now, if you're grambling going to recruit a kid that may be considering University of Louisiana, the, the counter argument is that, oh, well, that's a FCS school, even though you know, people, when people say, if you tell, if you tell someone, I want to go D1, they don't think FCS, even though FCS is D1, right? They only think group of five, power five, and moving up to the FBS group of five or power five, whatever you want to call it, uh, moving up to the FBS, that in their minds, to your point, makes them think, oh, this is D1, there's no slight. And then you pull those D2s up, to the FCS level, 
and you're just recycling that money. And now you allow programs that may not have football and the avenue to start football to go D2, like your Talladegas or your Tougaloos or your uh, Coppin States. You know, D2 may be a reasonable option for those programs. You have a team out in Oklahoma in Langston, you know, that that's probably able to do D2 football, and that would be an avenue for them, or even bring them up to FCS. Lincoln University in Missouri, another HBCU at the D2 level in the MIAA, they, they played no HBCUs. Slide them over now, they can go and play against other HBCUs, which will then help their attendance, help their, their you know, their morale, all that good stuff like that with the fans. Central State in Ohio, you know, another team that's in them is in Ohio. Now you add more teams up, they jump up to FCS, and it just helps the brand as a whole because all of these HBCUs have something that no other program has. They have the ability to create an event on a Friday, the day before the game. You know, we as we sat and waited for Georgia, Alabama, or Michigan, Ohio State, we were just waiting for the game on Saturday. But these programs, all of them, no matter, you know, high-powered FCS or NAIA like Langston, Oklahoma, because of their tradition with the band, now you open up Fridays for events. That's another revenue generator for your program, for your university. Because it's, it's, it's legitimately a weekend. It's exactly. a weekend. It's not just about the game. When you see many of these programs, it's about that game that day. It's the tailgating before you go to the game and then you go home. With, with these HBCUs, it's the night before. It's that morning. It's the, it's the tailgating. It's the game. And then it's the post game. What are we doing after the game? It's it's always, there's always something going on. There's always something new to be able to to pull from. And and when when we talk, one of the things that I love that, that Coach Prime isn't afraid to talk about is he's not afraid to talk about the money. When he talks about the 50,000 and the 60,000 that pour into the stadium, he talks about the fact that everybody in the community got paid. Everybody in the community made money. So it's like we can appreciate we can appreciate the attendance at the game and what that means for their bottom line. Because when you put 60,000 um, and 50,000 into seats that are premium tickets and then you all of a sudden get them a drink and some nachos and, you know, and some wings, all of a sudden that whatever that ticket is a hundred and fifty two hundred dollar ticket times fifty thousand so so we know how the we know what the money does we know how the numbers work and I and I and I don't want us to ever shy away from talking about the power of the black dollar that that's the that's the thing that I think always gets gets lost when people talk about well you know they just don't have the no no the, it's there it's there. The power of the black dollar is something that we don't talk about enough because we don't look at the we don't look at the ripple effect enough when it comes to HBCU events. We can't even call them games. We got to call them events. These HBCU events that happen, you know, the Friday leading up, the Saturday itself, the Saturday night. What's going on on the Sunday? Are you trying to squeeze out one more thing on a Sunday? Like. These are things that we get from HBCU events on the regular. 
just because they were smart enough years upon years ago to turn them into classics and, and, and have them named doesn't make them any, doesn't diminish them. It's actually smart business. Well, let's bring that business to the, the forefront because now when you add these HBCUs into these bowl games and now the, the Martian 100 is going to the Bahamas Bowl, that's a different feel than when Iowa um, State is going to the Bahamas Bowl or when, um, you know, or when, when Tulane is going to the Bahamas Bowl. If you send an HBCU down to the to the to the Gasparilla Bowl, like are you serious? People gonna you show drop up? an HBCU off in Tampa around Gasparilla time, and you tell them that they're gonna play a like. Come on, what are we talking about here? This is the, the these are no brainer things that no one talks about because people are afraid that everybody's not gonna be able to come along. And that's the that's the that's the issue, because I don't think everybody can come along. But but that's fine, though. Like, that's the thing. Maybe now is not the time for everybody to come along, which is why your model of uh, tears, it, it makes sense. So let's say, for instance, for whatever. And, and it's just picking programs out the blue. Let's say for whatever instance, Mississippi Valley State and Bethune Cookman aren't ready to make that move with the other schools. They can stay at the FCS level uh, where they can continue to, to grow and get better and, and build facilities or build the infrastructure necessary to make that move up to the FBS uh, level of HBCUs. Because now, again, they'll get that influx from not a Florida Classic would be a little bit different in, in terms of the impact dollar they'll be able to get. They'll be able to get that money from a fam you playing them uh, every season, something like that. And so that can help them expedite their growth potential faster um that's the benefit so yeah maybe not everybody can go right away you can't take the entire swag everybody's facility is not the same um but you will take the teams that have the potential right now day one you know you think about some of the top tier teams in the swag from a facility standpoint famu jackson state uh you think about prairie view a&m Alabama AM, Grambling because of name power and, and star power and legends, you know, Southern legendary. the same thing. Southern has a, a 40, some 20, 30,000 up stadium. You know, Morgan State has 10. You, you go, Tennessee State has the access to Nissan Stadium. Um, so you have all these big programs that have the ability. Pine Bluff has a new stadium that's upwards to, to 10 to 15,000. So, yeah, you can move a, a group up easily. Um, and still have room for Alabama State Stadium is Conference USA ready. You know, so there is a ton of ready-to-go FBS programs, and people bring up the money. The money can be handled easily. Is as always ways to get around the money issue. People always use that as a deterrent, but it takes money to make money, and if, you ain't, if you're afraid to spend it, then you'll never grow. Absolutely. And, and I think that's always the way that they that they that they scare. It's bingo. the way that they scare. And we haven't even talked about South Carolina State. We haven't talked about North Carolina AT, who just left the MIAC because they were looking to advance their cause. Now we bring North Carolina AT and a Tennessee State back into the fold. I mean, the 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 possibilities are endless, but I think what you what you tapped on is is something really serious to me because 
the way that they use, they've always used to scare people is, is twofold. It's through physical harm and it's through the dollar. That's how, that's how, that's what they've used to, to scare black people forever when it's come to trying to advance. Oh, you, you think you're going to advance? We'll kill you or we'll burn down whatever. Oh, you think you're going to advance? It costs this much. And we know you don't have that much money or we know you can't take that kind of risk. How many times have you seen or, or, or experienced yourself? I know that I, that, that it's been, it's been monetary fear that has stopped me from doing things in the past when it just comes to this medium, not being able, not having, not having the financial infrastructure to be able to take certain jobs that may not pay as much as other jobs have. I've had that happen to me as a coach. I've had that happen to me as a journalist because I've always had to be the, the number one breadwinner slash provider. I don't come from a, a, a history of money. I don't come from a background of a bunch of financial stability. And so I have to be the financial stable one. But there's there's not that's not to say that if I would have just said, you know what, I'm going for it anyway, that I could not have had success the same way that some other people have been able to have success. But that's the number one thing that they use to, to put the fear into 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 black people when it comes to advancement is, well, this is how much it's going to cost. And, and I think that once we get our brain, once we turn our brain off to the money. Because if you ever think about it, what's the one entity, what are the one, what are the entities that we seem to always thrive at that cost, yet we never really care about the money? The music industry and athletics. Athletics is super expensive. In order to be an elite level anything, you're spending thousands upon thousands of dollars every single year and that has not deterred any black kids from going out there to try to be the best football and basketball players that they can possibly be the funny part is is they don't use that same ingenuity when it comes to playing baseball and soccer which we know is where the actual legitimate real money is in sports so it's like or at least for players the the upside for soccer and and for baseball is far beyond the upside for football and basketball I'll say this. It was funny because when you talk about money, last time I checked, how many schools you see just shut down? You know, like you can't be broke for a hundred something years. You know, yep. schools, schools constantly open, constantly taking enrollment. Granted, before the what about jump in the in a conversation? Yes, there are some schools that have closed down, but with the way people talk about the money, it, you would expect there's tens of hundreds of schools that shut down every year when we know that's not the case absolutely and and that's and that's the thing is we know that there are programs out there that are struggling financially yet still have their doors open it's not just hbcu um programs like as a matter of fact it's it's much less hbcu programs then there are then there are PWIs who are having trouble keeping the doors open. 
And yet no one talks about money when it comes to them. It's only when you start talking about the advancement of um, historically black colleges and universities where we start talking about finances, whether that be facilities, whether it be um, medical. We just saw the thing happen at Jackson. I mean, not at Jackson State, but at, at Tennessee State um, with, with Hersey Miller um, leaving because Master P didn't feel as if the um, the medical staffing was up to his liking. Um, we had a, we had a, it was funny because um, myself and Brandon Howard had a really good um, discussion, a debate about it um, and talking about, you know, how, how that hurts. And my thing was, yeah, it probably did, but he's also that man's father and he's going to do what's best for him, you know, in that mode. The funny part about it is, is that these things are easily solved if we really, really want to solve them. And, and that's, that's the part that I always go back to is this isn't a difficult thing. We just saw a bunch of teams flip from one conference to another. We, we see three teams leaving the FCS to go join one conference already, a conference that didn't even, even exist how many years ago? Like, I mean, it's not like Conference USA has been around forever. It's, it's not like the AAC has been around forever. So the FBS level level has consistently created new conferences. They've consistently created new conferences for teams to join. Well, now you don't even have to create a new conference. Now you just take one as a whole. And, and and I'm saying even looking down at looking down at and, and if somebody from one of these schools are, are mad that we don't that we don't include you in here, I understand be mad, but un, but but get where we're coming from with, with this. If we were to take the swag as constituted mm-hmm. right now, Alabama AM, can they move up? Yep. Alabama State, can they move up? Definitely. Bethune Cookman, can they move up? Probably there. There's some infrastructure questions. There's some infrastructure questions, right? That's not right. a diss on on Cookman. That's just where they are right now. That's why we've seen the product on the field diminish from what it was back when Brian Jenkins were there, and in the subsequent few years right after Brian Jenkins left to go to Alabama State. Right. Um, Florida A&M definitely. Jackson State definitely. Mississippi Valley State infrastructure infrastructure issues maybe not right now alcorn state unique yes but they also have some infrastructure questions but they are uh their they their turnout is insane the turnout's insane and they have name recognition yep and the fact that they're going to be able to get it done on the field i think that helps them as well definitely helps them out pine bluff not yep. really, not really in the past getting it done on the field, but now are starting to reemerge, and they have, and they have the structure to say they could handle something like that. Brandy Grambling facility. history, everything says yes. Grambling has to go. Prairie View for sure. Southern same as Grambling. Texas Southern. They play in BBVA Compass Stadium. That I you mean, know, <laughs> and you get the Houston market, and you get the Houston market. So just within the SWAC alone, we're talking about maybe two teams that's probably not time for you yet, right? 
Then we go over to, oh, sorry. Then we add in North Carolina A&T and we add in Tennessee State. Yep. Who've already proven, hey, we can we can go beyond where we are right now. We're in other They got um, the right conferences. Yeah. So so they're allowed to now come back. We'll we'll pull those into the SWAC. And then you go to the teams that are left in the MEAC, Delaware State. Their infrastructure is unique. Remember, they just bought Wesley College, um, which is in Dover with them. So they took over that campus. So they have the fastest growing HBCU right now, in my opinion, in America because of the landmass that they've been able to accumulate in the last three years. So, yes, you want Delaware State in. And we know that enrollment equals dollars. Yep. We know enrollment equals dollars. So Delaware State, boom, you're coming. Howard, his historic campus, historic university, I say not prob- probably not ready for FBS. They have infrastructure problems. Big That's time evident. infrastructure issues. Big time. Despite the brand name, big yep. time infrastructure problems. Big time infrastructure. So they would stay. Um, Maryland Eastern Shore. Don't even have a football team. If I'm, They've if been I'm not talking right. about bringing one back. The last time we had, had a discussion with them was in 2013, I believe, and they, they didn't pass the, the bill to bring back football. But they've been flirting with the idea they, they would want football, but that model of the FCS would be perfect for them. So and so here and so here comes here comes the issue, right? Here's one of the issues that we would jump over. Coppin State and Maryland Eastern Shore have really qual- really quality basketball programs. Mm-hmm. And they both, them- they both had club football. So that's a you know, they played club football. Uh Maryland Lisa Shore doesn't anymore, but Coppin State, I think I think still does. So so both of those teams add value staying as FCS teams because now if they decide they want to add basketball, they're still buoyed by really good mid-major basketball programs. You got um Morgan State. Yeah, you got to bring more. Morgan's infrastructure is phenomenal. Phenomenal infrastructure. They they just have to get more more W's on the field, which I believe with better recruiting, you're going to see that come. Norfolk State. They got they got very good infrastructure. They got the stadium and you get that uh that uh Virginia Beach market. Absolutely. Um, North Carolina A&T, we already talked about. Hampton North Carolina Central. Hampton would be another one because you get that Hampton Roads, you know, Newport Beach area. And Hampton. Um, similar similar to um, A&T. They left. Yeah, and they so left. They went. You got to bring, so, you gotta so bring they're Hampton They're coming in. back. You got to bring Hampton in. Um, Central. North- Central is somewhere. I think you could bring Central up because now you have A&T. Okay, and so now that natural rivalry takes back over. And then South Carolina State, I believe you bring them along because they represent a market where they're they're kind of they're kind of the only show in town. They, they kind of comes to the HBCU. Both, right. They kind of can go both ways in terms of the northern HBCUs and the southern HBCUs. They're right there. That's the middle point. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're looking at we're looking at somewhere close to 20. Um, somewhere close to 20 programs that you would bring into this SWAC super conference and bring them up. So now you have numbers, you have numbers that 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 facilitate um that facilitate good infrastructure, ability to grow. The first, the first, the first item of business would be, hey, 
How do we get all of our facilities up to par? If there's any facility issues, all of these dollars that we're going to generate because now we're into the FBS, we need to use those that money to a make sure that that our players are taken care of, of properly so that we're all at our, our at our FBS level equivalencies because that's a big thing. And then number two, let's get these facilities. I say it's I say it's five years. I say it's five years. You come up, you you ascent, they're ascent, you're a conference, but you're really not the same way that when a team goes from FCS to FBS, they have to kind of be independent and do their kind of thing for a few years. I think Liberty's going through that right now. Mm-hmm. Sam Houston will have to go through it. Um, Jackson, Jackson State, Jacksonville State, excuse me, will have to go through it. So the SWAC comes up. Three years in, they're an official, they're an official conference. Five years in, now they're rolling. Facilities, players, development, everything has has taken that level. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the teams that are quote unquote left behind, they have become powers at that at that FCS level. Because remember, they're they're going to get the monies from they're going to get that kickback that comes from those other teams on reaching to that next level. The, the level of recruitment is going to increase for those teams that went to the FBS level, which means that now the, the, the players that Cookman weren't getting because they were losing them to Jackson State and to FAM and to now they're going to get those players. And the same thing with, with your Mississippi Valley States. They should be the powers in the FCS for the MEAC, that newly formed MEAC Super Conference, where we would reach out to the, you know, the SIAC and the CIAA, your Bowie States, you're coming up, Elizabeth Cities, you're coming up, Fayetteville States, you're coming up, Johnson T. Smith. Then you get those um, outskirts of your West Virginia States, your Central States, your Lincoln, and your Lincoln, Missouri's to join in as well. Absolutely. Kentucky State. That's a program that that has an opportunity to come up. And again, we talked about the the footprint that that Georgia has created, which is Fort Valley and all and, um, you know, Morehouse and, and, and yeah, and you know, Clark and Savannah. Absolutely. So now with that, they all come back up, but now they're not coming up to get their heads beat in like they were coming up like like when Savannah, you know, state was up there before. Now they're playing like competition while they all continually Im- improve their facilities and, and use the use that extra cachet to improve to, to, what to maximize. Because let's say you move up to FCS, you go from I think 40 something scholarships to 63. 60. Yeah. So Absolutely. now you get to, to fully fund 63 scholarships, which is huge because some schools, even at the FCS level, and you have 63, not all 63 is the same. Some yep. don't even get the max 63. Some haven't even been able to fill that void, which is why you see such a disparity. So if you're able to come in and get that kickback money to fully fund your 63 scholarships, and we know scholarship numbers can be funny money. Um, I always thought because, you know, if, how does it count a guy in school? Uh, is that's just, a, that's just a seat. But again, when you're at a, when you don't have the high enrollment, now I get it. That seat matters. You Absolutely. Know, that's tuition. So, I get it, um, but the kickback should help those guys get up to get up to speed. 
Well, and 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 what also should help is because you're because you're you have more scholarship money to to be able to get to your full equivalencies. Now, when you break off a scholarship and you give partial scholarships, you're not giving people meaningless scholarships. You're not giving them a thousand dollar scholarship or a two thousand dollar scholarship where they're still floating the entire boat essentially right. for you know for for their attend for their attendance minus whatever the financial aid that they get you're giving them legitimate money if you're giving them legitimate money guess what they're more likely not to do they're more likely not to drop out they're more likely not to transfer mm-hmm. and that's what we see a lot at the HBCU level especially at the D2 level you see a lot of kids in and out of the school because they're not making any, they're not getting any money to go to school, really. They're they're out there taking out loans for everything. So now that you get an opportunity to fully fund them, and let's say you keep because I because I, I fully contend that carrying carrying, you know, 80, carrying 85 students with, with 63 scholarships is, is all well and good, but a large portion of those 63 scholarships need to be full scholarships. Bingo. Like you take if you've got 63 scholarships, 53 of them should be full scholarships and then take 10 and split them in half. And now you've got 20 more scholarships that gives you 73 scholarships, 50, you know, 53 full, another 20 half scholarships. And then you fill out the that 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 last 20 kids with walk ons. And hey, we're going to put a financial aid package together for you. Maybe we give you an in-state fee waiver. Maybe you know what I'm saying. Or you get a sponsorship now with NIL to absolutely. Help now we now we get the local place to sponsor you and, and and kind of buoy the money that way. But the opportunity to really put the the to take away the financial need of these kids when they come to these HBCUs are, are huge. But that would then raise the profile of so many teams. And it doesn't damage the teams that that have basketball. And here's why. Because at basketball, there is no FBS, FCS. Right. So, so you know, um, for instance, your, your Maryland Eastern Shores, they don't have to worry about being squeezed because they're still competing in basketball the same way they've been competing in basketball the entire time. They weren't making any money from football because they don't have football. So they're not going to lose anything by now not being elevated to an FBS program because you don't have a football team. So they're not losing anything, but the teams that have football that have the infrastructure or the cachet to be able to make that move, everything increases, everything improves, everything gets better. And it's really interesting when I get excited about it and I get excited about it knowing that there's a good chance none of this is ever going to happen. Right. And that's the sad part about it. I I, I think about it and um, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, I remember years ago when I thought of the air app, mm-hmm. you know, the air app that's now right out there. I thought of the air app 10 years ago. We had a conversation about it. Hey dog, you know, that, that new thing they doing where they swiping. What if there was a, 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 a an app where they did that for sports? Yo, that would be a dope idea. Yeah, I I went I went and t- talked to people about creating the app. I don't I didn't have the 
whatever to, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the wherewithal to, to, to push through the, hey, most apps don't make money. Most apps don't blah, blah, blah. Well, apps are saturated right now. This was 10 years ago. It's interesting how much we 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 take ourselves or, or we take away from ourselves because we're not willing to to push out there. Um, someone said something I thought was really good um, years ago about about um, building your credit. Mm-hmm. They were like, the reason that you have credit is to use the credit. Bingo. And the the worst thing that happens is that your credit gets bad, but then you always have the ability to rebuild your credit. That's why people That's why people file for bankruptcy without any thought process about how it hurts the people on the other end. It's because they know I'll drop back down and then I will build this thing back up. We are so, I, I, won't, I won't even use the word afraid. We are so apprehensive because we have been taught some things that don't match up to the way in which the world works. I don't know about you, but I was taught if you don't have the money, you don't buy it. Bingo. That is what I was taught. And that was the worst lesson I ever learned in my entire life. Because now as a grown adult, I have to do things that I'm never going to have enough money to do in my hand. I have to be able to to, to borrow or lend off of something in order to be able to make that happen. And, and, and you find that to be more difficult as you get older because you don't have the background to support being able to do that. If we had been told, hey, this is how you generate, this is how, this is, yeah, you, you want to have money to pay for stuff, but this is how you are able to pay for the things that you don't have money for. Lives would be way different right now when it comes to these things. And so I look at the HBCU landscape and I go, do you just want to be the under underappreciated, underrated, um, taken for granted conference at the FCS level where they're sitting and putting six and seven teams, teams from the Missouri Valley Football Conference in the tournament every single year? And, and, and throwing you the bone of, hey, here, here, go beat, go, go, go play against this team, you know, that you probably shouldn't be playing against in the first round because you're a top 25 team and, and, and they're not, but, or in these other teams are not, but because these other teams are in the Northeast, they're going to play each other. That was the biggest fraud of, of, of all, if you ask me, from the FCS playoffs this, this year was the fact that, FAMU was ranked in the top 25 and they had to play a top 25 team yet Holy Cross and Sacred Heart not ranked in the top 25 were allowed to play each other for a spot in the second round of the playoffs. To me that, to me that it made no sense. And I went, well, what are we doing here? Like, like, how does that even work? Well, it was a shame to see, but it also, highlights what you bring to the table in terms of value. Jackson State routinely had games on ESPNU, ESPN2. The entire first round of the playoffs was on ESPN+. Plus. So you bring in a HBCU program, HBCU conference, you're bypassing, you know, pay for 
you know, pay to watch. You're, you're, you, you don't, you mean to tell me Fox Sports one or two or Paramount Plus over at CBS or any one of these digital, uh, you know, linear networks wouldn't want to, to have a package of HBCU programming? That's, you know, so there's a reason why those first round and the majority of the second round games were on ESPN Plus and the FCS. And they didn't even broadcast a lot of times these D2 and D3 playoff games. So imagine they don't have what do you bring to the table? Well, as an HBCU, you have a brand. You have black powers in dollars. You know, you have black viewership, which drives ratings. So you have so much value that you could essentially write your own ticket. So to to your point, to put a bow on it, it's about can you make – they need to make the move now to go to the FBS. Absolutely. And that's, that's really the thing is time is of the essence, right? Because once, once the, once they throw everything up in the air and it lands into this new reconfiguration of how the NCAA is going to handle football and revenue generating sports going forward, you're going to almost be stuck where you are. And so now is the time where everything is changing and everything is transforming to say, hey, we have something that nobody else has. We have a brand that nobody else can bring. We have awareness that no one else can claim. Here is what we can do for you. Here is how we can make that thing happen. And I'm, I know that, I know that Jackson State has some things, you know, in the tuck. I don't know what they are. I wonder, and, and, and I'll get you out of here on this one, but I wonder if the reason that we see all of these teams making these coaching changes is because in the back rooms, they're saying we need to have some, we, we already have the brands, we already have the fans, but we need to have some names that we bring with us when we take all of this to the table and go, we're coming. We're coming. And if you're trying to keep us out, this is what you're keeping out. Can you have Prime, Coach Prime on the sideline, Marshall Falk on the sideline, Kevin Sumlin coming, coming to an HBCU, the, the talk of Grambling being about to hire Hugh Jackson. Like I know a lot of people don't. Ray Lewis was up for a coaching job. Ed Reed is up for a Ed Reed job. is up for a coaching job. We know what Eddie George is at, at Tennessee State right now. Like I know people don't don't think you know Hugh Jackson gets a lot of issues, but the one thing you Tennessee can't State say did when he took over Jeremy Hickbottom and Tennessee State's offense starts to be consistently. He can good. coach. Like you can say whatever you want about him and, and how he handled that man can coach. And every time he's been given the opportunity just to coach without all of the other stuff, he's had success. I'm, I'm really excited to see what's happening. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what we see in the back rooms right now is, is, is people are aligning themselves in ways that they can make these moves. It's, it's an exciting time if you are involved with an HBCU. It's an exciting time if you cover um, historically black college and university football like we do. And I'm really looking forward to the Celebration Bowl next week. I'm, 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 I almost can guarantee record numbers for the Celebration Bowl next week. Oh, with, 
record numbers. Everybody in the, in the entire South Southeast that loves HBCU football is planning on being at that game. I know the entire South on Carolina State contingency is supposed to be there. You know Jackson State's going to travel well. They're they're within driving distance. Yep. And then all of the other people who will just want to want to like feed off of that vibe. I'm really looking forward um to seeing that you know seeing that come to fruition. So make sure that you check me out on um, by the way if y'all are listening to this podcast, I will be up at the Celebration Bowl. Coach Gene Clemens live from the Celebration Bowl. I'll be doing hits all morning, um, all afternoon for the Celebration Bowl. Make sure that you follow me um, at G- at Coach Gene Clemens um, on my YouTube channel, and then make sure that you're following me on all so- social media platforms at Gene Clemens. Um, Emery Hunt, Emery, I appreciate you joining me, man. It's been a great conversation. I know we can do this thing for hours. It's it's really nothing for us. Um, but I really do appreciate you joining me. Make sure that you check out um, the a, um, HBCU kickoff show um, that is on Next Level Sports that Coach Emery, um, I'm excuse me, that, that Emery does. Um, also, make sure that you, you check out all of his other programming, the FCS kickoff, the um, small college um, kickoff as well that are also on next on next level sports that happen on Saturday mornings at 9, 10, and 11. Did I get that? Or yep. 9, 10, and 11. Um, I'm usually on that FCS kickoff, so make sure you check me out there as well. Make sure you follow um, Emory at all of his, on all of the places that you can find it, at Football Game Plan or at F-Ball Game Plan if you're on Twitter or Instagram. And um, Emory, again, I appreciate you joining me, man. Anytime, man. Appreciate you having a great discussion. I, I guess we could do Ivy League jumping the FBS next. Hey, you know, you know, I'm all down for that as well, man. We'll talk about that soon. Hey, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, come on into my brain, have a seat, take a load off. Make sure that you check the article out if you haven't checked the article out yet. Um, I really do appreciate y'all coming on this journey with me. Episode two, Gene Therapy. We will talk to you later. Have a good one.